0: We are on Front Page and we're speaking to Rajan Moses, former Reuters foreign correspondent and ex-Business Times editor and Razat Chik, the executive editor of Astra. Awani, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Morning. Morning. So today, um, we're going to start off with the topic of how much do minimum wage earners spend on groceries?
1: Okay, as we know, this article uh, was out on in the Malay Mail. Uh, one of the issues was uh, if you live in Malaysia on minimum wage, chances are nearly 40% of your salary will go to groceries according to a study by an e-commerce P. Cody, uh, which was released uh, recently. Now, um, I'll go straight to the point. Moses, although the government just did a, a review on the minimum wage uh, very recently, which was last year, do you think the wage should be increased exponentially after these stats or?
2: Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, pittance that we got was a very small amount in the last minimum wage reckoning. But I think definitely there's plenty more to be made in in terms of concession for people and take more better minimum wage out there. (laughs)
1: Rather, I mean, obviously, this issue has been in the minds of employees for the longest time. Why now? And you know, is it because now we have a new government that it's easier for us, for the employees to, or and employees to, to discuss it? You see, when you talk about wages, yeah, minimum
3: wage. Uh, there's two sides to the story, three yes. sides, and in fact, you have employee, employer, and the government in between. The government has to be seen to be looking after the interest of both. Now, when you have as an employee, you know, Rajan definitely says, yes, we need more, more higher wages. I, I, I support that too. But if put yourself in the shoes of the employer, mm. productivity comes in. Mm. Um, are we at a stage where even minimum wage You see, there are new graduates nowadays coming out Demanding six thousand ringgit uh, as as minimum Is that minimum? Yes, if it is If you work hard enough You, you work 25 hours in a day If that's possible But um, of course, uh, we need to be paid a, a wage that allows us to live If 40% of our wages is spent on groceries mm. Is it because that's the bare minimum required to get your calories in? Or you know for what when you say groceries you know I see in the list uh, cheese do Malaysians eat cheese Yeah I mean uh, so is uh, you it know, a item
1: or a necess- necessity Yeah
3: good to have uh, higher wages mm. but if if forty percent is what people in the low income bracket depend on you know that's the amount of uh, they put aside every uh, every month for Mm, groceries mm. then we have to look at what is the component what is the basket of goods that go into the grocery is it all necessary is it just sugary stuff Uh, is it your basic staples Mm. so there must be a study a greater study to be made to see if these are are real essentials then Mm. the the mechanism the government in the middle should see how if there's a shortfall how that can be overcome
0: all right, then, well coming up, uh, we'll be talking about how past will be sitting out on the Soer by-elections, and that is after Megan Trainer and John Legend on light. We're still with Rajan Moses, former Reuters foreign correspondent and ex Business Times editor, and Razat Cheek, the executive editor of Astro Awani, on the front page. Now we are talking about how PAS will be sitting out of the Semenyih by-elections.
1: Now uh, PAS said yesterday they'll they'll not be contesting in the upcoming Simonye by-election and it will instead support any candidate Barisan National places for the state seat. Now the PAS Secretary General Dato uh, Takiyuddin also said that the decision was made by the past le- leadership the day before that now how significant is pass's presence in Well,
2: i think pass being a factor is not really a, a, a real big factor because mm. if you look at the numbers overall numbers opposition versus the government so to speak it, it's very clear that mm. you've got amno and whoever else that is with them, Barisan National, and then you've got Pakatan Harapan, you know, who got their own numbers. Mm. But it's very interesting uh, election this because uh, in the past it used to be MIC should be the uh, would be the party, you know, that would represent uh, Barisan. But mm. now everything's gone. <laughs> completely different And uh, Orang Asi have become a big Big factor now You mm. know And it's worth Noting as well They got more than 25% uh, of the stake In, yeah. in the uh, votes So I think It's, it's changed the color The uh, color of this uh, Coming uh, poll It's changed uh, Very much now And I think the Coming back to the point Again that You know It would have Surpassed at all To be stand out uh, For this <laughs> election It's better They lump up with uh, You know Whoever they are Favorable Yes, uh, f- India area versus you know the opposition, and uh, first time I've seen that uh, the. Pakatan, you know, since after six months or eight months now, since the election, yeah. uh, put a little bit on the defensive, you know, about challenge from the opposition. opposition. Yeah,
1: well, it's very, yes. you know, it's still, it's still fresh in our mouths that people forget that Pakatan is the government instead of the opposition. Sir yes. so, post G14, how significant is PAS's alliance with AMNO voters in general these days?
3: You see, for me, if I were the upper echelon of PASS, choosing seats now and which are PRKs to contest, is a no-brainer. Let the party concentrate on building and consolidating and strengthening passes position mm. in the East Coast. When you look at the urban areas in the West Coast, mm. there is an alternative to to PAS already, which mod- modern Malays, millennial Malays are turning to mm. uh, in the shape of Amana, which is the breakaway faction from PAS. These are the professional people, the r- professional ranks within PAS, yeah. who have brought the malay mind to a new plane and with the political situation as it is where pass was seen as conniving with the previous government yep. in allowing 1 mdb to take place on the scale that it has yep. so um for apart from the i call the pockets of piety that exist in the East Coast. Yeah. It's a tough task for PAS to appeal to the modern, open-minded, thinking Malays in the West Coast. Alright.
0: Alright, thank you very much. Coming up, Kit Sian says that Rotichana Roads is proof that our former Prime <laughs> Minister had failed the Cameron Orang Asli. We'll be talking about that after Backstreet Boys on light. We're still with Rajan Moses, the former Reuters foreign correspondent and ex-Business Times editor and Razat Chik, the executive editor of Astro Awani, talking about news on the front page. Now, we are talking about Kit Siang saying that <laughs> Roti Chana Roads is proof that our former Prime Minister had failed the Cameron Orang Asli.
1: Uh, Lim Kit Siang obviously uh, mentioned is uh, stated in the news as uh, saying as he will be there, there's Najib, for four days from Thursday to Sunday, I hope he will travel the world. Roti Chanai roads and non-roads to the remote Orang Asli Kampongs to see for himself how, as the sixth Prime Minister, he has failed the orang asli in Cameron Highlands and the people and the country to provide the most basic of infrastructure. I'm not even going to go to talk about Srawa as being Sarawakian. We'll talk about this Road to China Road first. Uh, Razak, first and foremost, how strong has BN's influence been amongst the Cameron orang asli? You
3: know, the reporters from Awani who have been there, They, uh, when I speak to them, they talk about the absence of uh, blue flags. The way... Uh, uh, where in the past you would have you would be overwhelmed by the number of blue flags as opposed to rocket logos or whatever and mm. uh, now the opposite is true so Bn itself have found themselves in a situation of being on the back foot suddenly the boot is now on the other foot yes in the past you could spend as much as you want you could you could call upon the services and, and uh, the the um, facilities from Jakwa from BTN from wherever now you cannot mm. so up to the point where Barisan National former ministers cabinet members it's just a sea of of pakatan flags so uh, to say that BN is still a factor because of the choice of candidate but with the issue which Kit has cheekily introduced about the state of Roti Canai Roads uh, into the interior uh, that could be a winner in some some sort because when the orang asli community themselves look at the state of roads they have been traveling on. Kit was very cheeky in saying that this roti canai, the analogy with roti canai is that uh, it's uh, so undulating, it's so uneven that you have to plaster it over. Hey come on Kit I love my roti Chanai tampal okay <laughs> with sardin filling as well. But that gives you an idea If I went around Asli Why suddenly this concern For the roads I've been travelling All this while mm. Mm. Uh, Moses, let's talk about The
1: candidates running for uh, yes. The elections What are there, are there strong suits In this coming election?
2: Well, uh, if you look at it There are only two candidates here and The other two independents Are very small mm. uh, They add a lot of colour To the whole thing But the, candles, the, the candidates That really matter Are the Barisan mm. Versus uh, the Pakatan candidates Right. The DAP candidate, formerly DAP candidate, who is now PH Manoharan, has been here for quite a long time. Mm. This is going to be his third uh, run, I think, uh, at the election. Whereas mm. as the, uh, you know, for Barisan, it's the first time you're going to get an AMNO kind of uh, twist to the whole gig that's going yeah. on there. So it's very interesting to see that um, the demographics have changed completely for the Barisan trying to, you know, do something different, different mm. uh, versus uh, PH, you know, which is same, same old, same old, in a way. Yeah. Because Firstly, you got three candidates for the candidate for twice. Uh, so, I don't know, it's left to be seen how the voters uh, look at things.
0: Well, coming up, uh, we will be talking about how the government is mulling over a curfew for those aged under 18. Now, that's after Ed Sheeran and Tears for Fears on Light. We're still on the front page with Rajan Moses, the former Reuters foreign correspondent and ex-Business Time editor, and Razat Sheikh, the executive editor of Astro Awani. Now, this one, we are talking about how the government is mulling over curfew for those aged under 18.
1: This was among matters raised and agreed uh, in a meeting of the, the Cabinet Committee on Eradicating Drugs, which was chaired by uh, the DPM, Dr. 3, Dr. One Aziza. Uh, now, another pertinent uh, matter was a proposal to drop uh, a law to prevent and treat and monitor abuses of uh, psychotropic substances. But this thing about having to mull over having under 18... In your opinion, uh, Moses, and even probably, uh, you know, either his parents or... Is there any good that comes to implementing this curfew?
2: Okay, if you look at uh, an online poll that was just done overnight, thumbs down was given by star readers saw that. The other thing is, of course, this whole thing about the under 18s uh, came out as a video clip that came out for people to just have a look at it, you know, and hear about things that happen in Mm -hmm. Ireland where, you know, uh, kids are becoming different in in the way they conduct themselves. And then now suddenly, you know, we hear that uh, there is a plan, you know, possible plan to get our 18-year-olds to look into a curfew in case, you know, they are able to do so uh, but uh, you know the, the, the fact that uh, we don't have the ground uh, infrastructure I think at this point mm. you know to implement something like this we already have problems you know mm. about getting uh, even SST or, or doing little things that we're trying to do you know, both the government and the uh, opposition, you know, both have a hard time trying to get things going. Mm. And then add on an, another burden of another 18-year-old curfew, you know, mm. coming in. A bit too much at this time, I think, you know, for our people here to digest so much for our under 18 years. When there's so much more else that we mm-hmm. can do uh, and could, where, we, where we could get a better value.
1: Yeah, uh,
3: I uh, think uh, the (laughs) idea behind imposing a curfew is to build a cordon. The French say "cordon sanitaire." I've just learned (laughs) that word. Okay, (laughs) but how much can you exclude, uh, protect kids? from the influence out there where nowadays if you lock yourself in your room you have access to so many other influence. it's called the internet
1: that's
3: right we, we look at examples in Iceland you know when I look at countries with the suffix land in their name yeah. you know these are countries where six months of the year they don't see the kids don't see the sun mm. so these juvenile delinquency over there stems from their physical and geographical situation in this country you do have the situation where kids with nothing to do get attracted to a criminal ways You know They get Adults show them The mm. wrong things to do mm. So Instead of just curfew You need to look at Why the Kids In this country Behave the way they do And there is so much Juvenile delinquency Out there I think it should rest on their shoulders to do less politicking and do more social work.
0: Alright, well, coming up, we'll be talking about an ex-deputy minister that wants a task force to regulate the election campaign spending. And that's after Savage Garden and Boys Town Gang on light. It's still the front page and we're speaking to Rajan Moses, the former Reuters foreign correspondent and ex-Business Times editor, and Razat Sheik, the executive editor of Astro Awani. And we are speaking about an ex-deputy minister that wants the task force to regulate election campaign spending? Okay,
1: so the former Deputy Minister of Youth and Sports, um, uh, Gan Ping Su, has said the government should consider setting up a task force comprising the Election Commission, the Police, the Malaysian uh, Anti-Corruption Commission, MACC, and civil societies so as to monitor these expenses during the uh, election campaign. But question is, uh, Moses, are there anybody regulating campaign spending now? I think this is the big
2: question uh, we ask about, you know. The will is there there is a will but in terms of the actual nuts and bolts mm. we don't seem to be able to do it at all you know uh, right from political funding right down to the very fact that you know uh, you can't even manage you know campaign funding <laughs> funding <laughs> yeah. around it's a good idea mm. it's worth continuing you know trying again and again and again but we need a more mature Democracy here, you know, to uh, be able to come up with these kinds of solutions, mm. so that you know we can then work within what is uh, the parameters that are that are out here. Rajan, you're talking uh, about solutions. Yes. Uh, I
3: think let's think out of the box mm. in this
2: one. You
3: know, suggesting that uh, MECC police or, or election commission or whatever go down to the ground to monitor and look at. Okay, you've got you've surpassed the number of flagpoles you are supposed to be uh, seen out there. Mm. Let's think about, this is the new age, new media, government, parliament, for instance, should look at, well, you, know, you have your committee level or whatever, to think about new age campaigning where you don't have to go down to the ground, mm. make use of platforms that are free, that are open to everybody. Of course, uh, it would take a leap of faith and imagination and the willpower to do this. But I think that there are platforms already out there for which we can look and uh, evolve and Perhaps Malaysia can one day be the first country in the world for any elections whatever. Everything is online, campaigning is online, there's no need to litter the streets and the flagpoles and the lampposts with Mm. your party flags. Let's think out of the box and do something radical for a change.
1: Well, that ideal, obviously, that will also come with its own sets of problems, especially when you go everything online. But in the interim, what can be done to ensure proper enforcement and also basically regulation of these campaign spendings?
3: I I think the system is in place already because anyone who feels, any aggrieved party Mm. who feels that, oh, there are more pocket Flex out there. Uh, Lodger report, I mean, the system is there for them to to go through the proper procedure. It's out Mm.
2: there. There is a system there. uh, But how much are we actually uh, adhering to it? And how much of, as you say, leap of faith, you know, is there? Is there such a will? Mm. It's left to be seen, you know, really, because we are still uh, nine nine months months now since the election away. Much as we like, there are so many things happening and uh, good things happen. But uh, it'll take a while for us, you know, to um, trim our Our campaigns You know Our oh, fats as Yeah and the but, the but if
3: everything yeah. goes online Then I will miss All the fun <laughs> And the it, noise yeah, yeah, And the exactly yeah. atmosphere Exactly Exactly yeah. So there's we, something to be said about mm. open campaigning. Yes, yeah. you'll be so good Enjoy it while stuff. it
1: lasts. While, while, while they're shouting at each other.
0: All right, thank you very much. We were chatting with Raja and Moses, uh, the former Reuters foreign correspondent and ex-Business Times editor, and Razat Chik, the executive editor of Astro. Awani. Thank you so much for joining us Thank this, you. This thank this you. Morning. It's been a pleasure. Thank yes. you. Yes, uh, now that was front page.